Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. I have to tell y'all about my amazing bra from Third Love. (laughs) I think that's my line. It fits perfectly and is so comfortable. Sometimes I forget I'm even wearing it. It says in parentheses, talk about your bra. So I think I've taken this ad as far as I can. I'm going to hand it over to you. I don't know if I can do this. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast sizes and shapes in mind for a perfect fit and a premium feel. You answer a few simple questions to find your perfect fit in 60 seconds. Over 12 million women have taken the quiz to date. It's actually really cool. I don't know how you get your bra fitted, but... Nobody talking to me? Feels, no, I'm just talking to the people. Oh, you were looking at me. You're the only other person in this room. Yeah. But it works much better than going to a shop. There's this short quiz that you answer, and if they ever get it wrong, you can just text message them, and they'll exchange it right for you. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, return it, and third level, wash it, and donate it to a woman in need. Returns and exchanges are free and easy, and the tagless labels means there's no itching, plus straps that won't slip, ultra-soft, soothing fabrics, lightweight, super-thin memory foam cups. Third Love knows that there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com Diana now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com Diana, D-I-A-N-A, for 15% off today. Hello and welcome to all you cool, curious cats out there. I am Diana Kander and you are listening to Professional AF, a show that according to the latest review on Apple Podcasts helps you better understand yourself and your career by taking a solutions-oriented approach to the issues most of us face in our professional lives. And this episode is the most practical professional AF that we've done. I had a chance to interview Fran Hauser, a longtime media executive, startup investor, and best-selling author of The Myth of the Nice Girl. Fran is best known for her role building People.com, one of the biggest media brands online, and she made the leap to early-stage investing in 2014. Since then, 18 of the 20 companies that she's invested in are founded by women, highlighting Fran's broader commitment to increasing the representation of female founders and investors. Fran's book, The Myth of the Nice Girl, deconstructs the negative perception of niceness that many women struggle with in the business world. And it resonates with smart women who are looking to take their careers to the next level. The Myth of the Nice Girl was named Audible's Best Business Book of 2018 and one of Amazon's Best Business and Leadership Books of 2018. In this episode, Fran is going to give you specific tools that you can use to deliver difficult feedback, create more time and space on your calendar, Stop being in reactive mode all day and get a lot more done. And know when you need to recalibrate your calendar to focus on what matters most. Plus, she's going to give us practical tips on turning down invitations or finding the sweet spot between saying yes and no to somebody. 
and how to find the right mentor and nurture that relationship. I hope you have a pen and paper ready or open up an email to yourself because you're about to get some powerful ideas from this episode of Professional AF. Fran, why did you write this book? So, you know, one of the things that I I really love about my professional life is that I've had the opportunity to mentor so many young women over the years. And the question that I get asked more than any other is, how can you be so nice and still be successful? And it's a topic that I found myself, um, you know, giving a lot of advice on, doing speeches about. And then I really the tipping point for me was a blog post that I wrote for Forbes in January of 2016 on the topic that resonated. It just the, the message really landed. And I started hearing from women all around the country that were struggling with, you know, if I'm too nice, I'm thought of as a pushover. If I'm too tough, I'm considered the bitch. How do I, you know, find kind of a, a happy medium? Um, so that was really the moment, you know, when I started hearing from these women outside of my network, women that I didn't know, um, and I saw that there was a, a pain point kind of, you know, beyond my network. That was the moment that I knew I needed to write the book. I love it. Uh, nobody's ever said that to me. Nobody, <laughs> Nobody's ever said, you are so nice. How do you get so much stuff done? <laughs> so I, I see myself as the maybe other half of that coin. So in episode two of this season, we talked about charisma and the research for charisma and how it's perceived differently for women and for men. And for women, the two factors that are weighed when people are judging you are your strength and your warmth. Mm -hmm. And when women try to turn up their strength, like you said, they're immediately seen as some sort of a B word. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important for them to, at the same time, while they're increasing their strength, to actually double down on their warmth or their niceness. And to me, this was like a how-to book on how to be more warm or or how Mm. to be more nice at work as you are increasing your strength. Yes, right. Because the idea is that you don't don't want to veer into that people-pleasing or pushover territory. I think that's really important. You know, the, the book is not about, you know, how to be soft. It's, it's really just, it's about being yourself. It's, you know, if you're genuinely a kind, compassionate, empathetic, warm person, like bring all of that to work. Like you shouldn't have to check qualities like that at the door when, when you go to work and that those qualities can actually be very effective for you. Well, for me, the two areas that you talk about that have been particularly challenging are giving critical feedback and saying no to things while still being perceived as nice or warm. So first, let's talk about feedback. This has been a very uh, challenging topic for me, and maybe because I had two very difficult situations very early on in my professional career. So the first instance where I had to do anything critical was uh, my husband and I, we started uh, this political nonprofit. We raised about $100,000 and then hired an executive director to help us raise money and run the operation. And it just wasn't working out. Like, it wasn't going well. I was like 24 years old at the time, and I we just didn't have the money to keep her on staff. So I met with her and said it wasn't working out and that she could no longer be the executive director. And she said no. She said, <laughs> when I tried, when I tried to, um, you know, end our relationship, she said no. And so I left there like she still worked for the organization. 
that was like very challenging. And the very next time I had to do that in a business that I had started, I was so scared of a repeat of that activity that I walked into the room with a good friend of mine. And, and again, it just, just wasn't the right fit. But I was so worried about him saying no that I was a total jerk. And I was like, this is over. I've written it down on this piece of paper. I'm not changing my mind. And that was really difficult and it ruined a relationship. And so like those two things combined made me so scared to have difficult conversations Mm -hmm. with people at work. It's because I'm nice and I care about them. I just, I just find it really, really difficult. Yeah. You're not the only one. (laughs) This is, I mean, this is something I hear all the time and it's actually, it's something that I've struggled with myself, you know, over the course of my career, it never gets easy, you know, having those those conversations with employees. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've had to let go over the years. And it's every single conversation is, it's hard, right? Because it's about, it's so personal. Um, so here's just some some tips that, you know, I would say just in terms of helping you kind of get through those conversations. So the first thing I would say is that it's really important to understand the way that the brain works. There's a part of our brain that's called the amygdala that is responsible for sensing threats, and that can be physical threat, it can be psychological, emotional, um, and when the amygdala senses threat, it triggers a fight, flight, or freeze response. And The reason why it's important to understand this is that when you're having a difficult conversation with someone, when you're giving them really, you know, tough feedback or you're sharing difficult news, the last thing that you want to do is to trigger the amygdala. Because if you do, it's not going to be a productive conversation because they're going to go into that fight, flight, or freeze. So the way that you start the conversation is everything. I mean, it's so important that you started from a place of um, empathy, respect, um, showing that you really care about them. You know, I've, I think about conversations that I've had with employees over the years where I've had to give them, share really tough um, uh, feedback or criticism. And the times where I've started by saying something like, look, you know, I am such a fan of yours. You know, you have done such great work for the company. Um, I really want to see you be successful, and I want to be helpful to you. If you start the conversation by by using phrases like that, it really puts the person at ease because they feel like you're on their side, you know, and, and you are there to be supportive and to be helpful um, versus starting the conversation, you know, by saying something like, you know, look, we have some things we need to talk about that sounds threatening, right? And that, and that person is automatically going to like just, they're not going to be able to process anything you say after that. So really thinking about how you can start the conversation from a place of respect, empathy, you know, positivity um, is, is very, it's very important. The other thing that I would say is that I found um, asking questions to be really helpful. I had a, I had a a situation once where I was at Time Inc and, you know, we launched this product, this digital product, and it was just a disaster. Like everything went wrong. We were over budget. It launched late. Um, It didn't have all the features that we wanted it to have. Um, And 
I had a person on my team who was the product manager. You know, he was responsible for the the product launch. And when I when I had the conversation with him, I asked him, I said, what do you think could have been done differently? I didn't say, what do you think you could have done differently? I said, what do you think could have been done differently? I left it very broad. And, you know, he started by talking about some external things and like some team dynamics, but he did eventually end up talking about what he personally could have done differently. So it was more of like an open-ended question and it wasn't threatening. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, what could you have done differently, right? It was just, it was a broader question that opened up a conversation. Um, So that I've also found to be really helpful. Um, The other thing I would say is that um, it is important to actually be very specific about the feedback when it comes time to like, okay, like what is it that you want to share with this person that they need to work on? Like, be really clear about what the feedback is. Be be direct. You can still do it in a way that's kind, you know, whether it's like using, like if you think about the tone of your voice or, again, your eye contact. Um, but you don't, like I once had a manager who was so nice that when she gave me the feedback, she sugarcoated it. And it was so wishy-washy that I didn't, I didn't really understand what she wanted me to work on. Um, so when, when it comes time to actually giving the feedback, I think just being really clear and, and direct about it. And I always like to lead those meetings with an action plan and next steps. And, you know, here's what, like, here are the three things that you're going to work on. And here's, here's how I am going to be helpful to you. I had a young woman once who was in business development and she had really strong contacts in certain sectors, but there was this one particular sector that she didn't have a strong network in. And I felt like we were leaving money on the table. So my feedback to her was that she really needed to work on, growing her her network in that sector and I committed to her that I would introduce her you know to three people so that was sort of my next step coming out of the meeting so those are just you know like some really specific tactical techniques um, that you know I've used over the years and I've seen other people use over the years that have really been helpful just in terms of like giving you the confidence that you need to go in into the conversation and also like having a really productive conversation where the, the person receives your feedback and they and they process it. I, I really like that advice. Uh, I think I've done many of the, I think I could write the how to not give feedback book, <laughs> <laughs> like the hundred things not that haven't worked. But my general, I guess, assumption and belief that I'm going into it with, even if I start out with something nice, Mm-hmm. is that they're going to be like, yeah, but like they're immediately getting on the defensive. And mm-hmm. the the difference for me is in my consulting work where companies invite me in to say, hey, what kind of feedback do you have for us on this process or this plan? They're open to it. They're inviting feedback. Yeah. And it's so challenging to initiate that conversation. I've always thought about it like, you know, you can't fill a cup that's already full. Like if somebody isn't open to receiving feedback, how they're just going to dislike you for mm-hmm. for giving it. So do, do you have any additional advice on how to get through that barrier to I, I really like the questioning aspect yeah. to, to get them to start inquiring of themselves, but just to to be more open to having that conversation? Yeah, I think the questioning definitely helps. I mean, sometimes it really depends on the person, but Sometimes it help, it works just to say, you know, look, I'd I'd love I'd love to share some feedback with you if if you're open to it. 
just being that direct. And again, it depends on the person. But I really, truly believe that if the if the person believes that it's coming from a place of that you want to be helpful and that you're not just give, you're not giving them this feedback to be a jerk or to you know to upset them. I mean, it's really coming from a place of I I want to help this person be better at whatever it is, you know, whether it's be better at leadership, be better at something that's more technical or functional or be better at, you know, relationship building. Um, it's If they can see that it's truly coming from a place of you caring, I, I, I think it just makes all the difference in, in the world. Well, that's very, very good advice. I want to get to another difficult topic, which is saying no, or as you define it, setting boundaries in a caring way. And we kind of break it up into setting boundaries for activities, what you do on a regular basis, and then uh, people like, you know, saying no when people make requests of your time. So, um, Fran, let me ask you this first. Would you consider yourself busy? Would I consider myself busy? Oh, I talk about this all the time because <laughs> it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy when people like wear busy as a badge of honor. I would consider, I would consider that, I like to say that, you know, my calendar is, is, is full. (laughs) I would rather say full than busy because I think full just has like a much more positive connotation to it. That word busy drives me crazy. I want to make t-shirts. I want to make t-shirts that say, (laughs) I am not busy. I am not busy. (laughs) Uh, Well, cause you know, it just, there's, there's just like, you know, a quick little aside. I have, I have a girlfriend who, um, there are like four or five of us that are like really tight and we literally cannot find a time like just to like go out for a drink because she's always so busy, you know, like the, the text messages that go, you know, I'm, I'm, and it's, and it's just, I don't know. I just find it so ir- irritating. You know, like we, we all have very full lives, but we make time, you know, we make time for people that we really want to see and that we want to spend time with. So it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's something that I have been thinking about a lot and it's very important to me. Um, like I, I take responsibility for my calendar and for where I spend my time. And if I look at my calendar for the upcoming week and I feel like I haven't created enough time and space in my calendar to do things that I really want to do um, or that I feel I need to do, then it's on me to clear up my calendar. You know, like it's, it, I, I own that, especially as somebody who, you know, I work for myself, right? Like you. So we can decide what we can decide what gets on, onto the calendar. I don't think I know a professional woman who doesn't consider herself busy but the vast majority of them feel like they're not moving fast enough or they're not getting accomplished what they want to get accomplished. So it really feel feels like busy isn't doing it for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to think about my days as either being on offense or defense, not the whole day, but what you do, you know? Mm. And like if you're feeling stuck and you're working really hard, but you're not moving forward, that's because you're spending your time on defense. Like mm. you can't score points on defense. Mm. Yeah, you're more in reactive mode. That's right. And so the things that you're doing every day, the items that you're checking off your to-do list and the things that you feel like you have to do, 
are not really helping you get to your goals. Yes, I know. I I um I very much agree with that, and I find that. And trust me, there are days that are that are like that, you know. And I don't feel good at the end of the day. I feel good when I have gotten at least one thing. Like if I can just like every day, if I can just wake up like today, I, kind of, I looked at my calendar and I said, okay, good. I have like this two hour break, and I am going to work on this one uh, project that like I'm really excited about, and I need to create some content for. Um, and that's going to be like the one thing that I do that's more kind of in the creative space and in the building space. Cause that's what, it's, right. I don't know about you, but that's what makes me feel good. It's like, I'm actually creating something that's, that's going to add value and, you know, have, have an impact on, on other people, as opposed to just like cleaning out, you know, going through my inbox and responding to people and, <laughs> um, having meetings where I leave every meeting with like three to do's. And, um, so so that's the thing for me is like if I could at least just do one, if I can, if I could just take one thing where I'm going to say, I'm just going to spend a couple of hours working on that today, like, and then the rest of the day being in, in defense mode, that's that's okay for me. That works. Fran, but I, I think we may have just invented thing. a new activity because I don't think this was in your book, but this I feel good when I feel powerful, mm-hmm. successful, like I'm going in the right direction when. I think it's a powerful reflection activity. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm also paying a lot of attention to when I meet with people. Like I have days, like yesterday I was in the city all day. And I, when I'm in the city, because I live outside of Manhattan, when I'm in the city, um, I work out of the wing and I just do my meetings. It's my meeting day. And I'm, I'm you know, just meeting with people. Um, I really pay attention to how I feel after the meeting? Like, how did that person make me feel? Do I feel more energetic? Do I feel depleted of energy? Um, Because I really want to be more intentional and purposeful about the people that are in my life and like who I'm actually going to spend time with. Um, So that's also something that I've really been just paying very close attention to. So we are a little under the weather. I took a NyQuil about an hour ago. Mm-hmm. We are making these ads <laughs> racing against time. Where is this going? Well, we've been drinking honey in our tea for our throats like all day. Sure. And this ad is for Honey Book. That, that is not what Honey Book is. It's, I mean, I saw Honey. Honey Book is an online business management tool that lets you control your client communication, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. Business, business, this whole podcast. It's just, <laughs> it's just business. I thought like, oh, cool, honey, something I know a lot about. If you're a creative freelancer or a small business owner, HoneyBook helps you stay organized with custom templates and automation tools. You can even use HoneyBook to consolidate services that you already use, like QuickBooks, Google Suite, and MailChimp. I don't use those things, but if I did, I would want to consolidate them. Of course you would. Over 75,000 photographers, designers, event professionals, and other entrepreneurs have saved hundreds of thousands of hours a year. It's your business just better with HoneyBook. That is that is a nice tagline. Mm-hmm. Right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off your first year with promo code DIANA. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. That is quite a deal. 
Go to HoneyBook.com and use promo code Diana for 50% off your first year. Get paid faster and work smarter with HoneyBook.com. Promo code Diana. Well, you have a really helpful tool in the book, uh, an activity to help people really understand where they want to go. So can you explain the four-square model? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is something, um, it's, it's called the, the four-square model. It's a very simple model that I started using um, after um, we had our second child, and I went back to work, and I was feeling really overwhelmed, and I was just kind of saying yes to everything at work because I was feeling so vulnerable. I didn't want people to think that I couldn't do it all, um, and it just kind of ended up being a nightmare because... Of course, I couldn't do all of those things that I said yes to, and things were slipping through the cracks. And so I just decided I had to take a big step back and really um, map out the things that were the most important to focus on. And I just I created um, these quadrants. There's there's four quadrants, um, and the 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 quadrants are me, family, career, and world. And in each one of those quadrants, I came up with two or three really big things, you know, priorities that I felt um, could really move the needle forward for either myself, for my family, you know, or, or for my company um, in, in a big way. And I decided that I was going to spend the majority of my time on those things. Um, and like, I'll give you an example. I remember, you know, I was working at People Magazine at the time and in my career quadrant, um, what I realized that was that I was spending like so much time focusing on internal documents and like making sure that you know the PowerPoint deck looked pretty, and you know I would have like a, a a new business idea and I would put together like a full deck and then like go in and meet with my boss like to take her through it. Um, and what I realized was that I should be spending so much less time on that, um, you know, on the formatting of internal reports and instead really focusing my time on what our biggest threats and opportunities were at the time, which back then, like, social media was exploding, which was a really big deal for our business. It was actually, it was it was a huge threat, um, actually, for, for the business. Um, and we were losing millennials. And a lot of our brands were aging out. And so, you know, what I realized was from a company perspective, that's really where I needed to spend my time. I needed to spend my time on, you know, how are we going to get more millennials, um, you know, more millennial readers, and what were we going to do about social media? And I kind of let all of that other internal reporting, like formatting, all that other stuff, like it just had to go. Like I just really let it, you know, slip through the cracks. I was very intentional about that. Um and and I kind of I went through that same exercise for my family, for myself, from a self care perspective. World to me is all like the nonprofit work that I do. Um, I found that I was like on like you know three different um, fundraiser committees. Um, you know I was on a few different boards, and I had to simplify that, and I had to really focus on what was I really passionate about: women and girls. And any requests that came in, like outside of nonprofit requests that came in outside outside of that, it was much easier to give a thoughtful no, because I wasn't just saying no for the sake of saying no. I was saying no because I decided that I was going to spend my time on kind of the women and girls space. So, um, so 
I set, set up these priorities in my Foursquare. And then the other big part of this, and I still do this today, I, I revisit it all the time to make sure that my priorities are what I really want them to be. But every single weekend, I look at my calendar and my to-do list, um, and I, because that's where I'm actually spending my time, and I look for alignment between my Foursquare and my calendar and to-do list. Um, and if there is an alignment, if it's off, then I know I need to, like, recalibrate. It's either maybe the priority really isn't a priority anymore, or I have to, like, make more time um, to work on to work on that and, and take some other stuff off my plate. So it's something I've been using for, I guess it's been about seven years now. Um, and it's just, it's very helpful to me. I, 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 I you know, I have it in my to-do list um, to check in every week. And it's that checking in and that, that discipline of, like, checking in on a weekly basis that really makes it work. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's, some, it's something for me that it, it just it helps keep me kind of grounded and, and focused on the things that, that are really meaningful to me. It sounds like the Foursquare model is like your layout of what offense means to you. Like, it'll yes. feel like I'm moving forward if I do these things. That's right. That's right. And then like the rest of my time, you know, 20 or 30 percent of my time is just doing all the other stuff that's got to be done, you know, like all the administrative stuff, all of the stuff that is more like, you know, when you're in defense mode. I mean, there's still going to be a certain amount of that. You can't it's it's you know, it's unavoidable. But I just know that, like you said, when I when I have those days where I'm mostly in defense mode, it's just not. It it doesn't it doesn't feel like I'm moving forward. There's like there's literally no momentum. It's like I'm just like running in place. Do you have an order to the four things? Like, is there a priority list of those four? Meaning, like, is family more important than career? Uh huh. No, I you know I really um, I'll be honest. Like the the one the quadrant that. This is not going to come as a surprise. The quadrant that usually I struggle with the most is me. It's the it's uh-huh. the the self care stuff that I find is just the easiest to kind of fall to the bottom of the list, which is sad, but but just true. And so that's something that um, I know that I have to work harder on in terms of you know it's so easy. Like I'll have like working out in my calendar, you know going to the gym, right? And it's just so easy to say, oh, I just don't have time for that. I have have this other stuff I have to get done. So that's something that I'm really trying to work hard on. Can I share something about that? Please, 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 please. So I developed a top five list, which is similar to your four square model uh, a number of years ago. And it wasn't until like four or five years ago that I even made it on the list. And that was (laughs) a big change for me that I even had like take care of yourself on there. And over the last six months, my husband and I have been going through this very intense mental and physical health uh, training, development. I don't know. We've been spending a lot of time on it. And we went through this program. And one of the suggestions for the program was that you that my list was in inverse order. So my list used to be like kids, marriage, work, and then me. Mm-hmm. And they actually have you reverse it. And you start every day with you and your own mental and physical well-being. And then you move on to your work and your purpose in your life, then marriage, then kids. Mm. I know I I sound like such a not nice person when I say that. 
But having reversed the list for just a month or so, I can't tell you the profound impact it has made on making me so much more focused and able to accomplish so many more things in a much smaller time span. Oh, I love that. You know, it's, I'll always remember when, um, after we had our first child and, you know, like I, I was just so tired. I would just remember being so tired. And my mother said to me, you just need to go take a shower for like 10 minutes. Like, just go like take a shower and you'll feel so much better. <laughs> and, and she would like, she was really good at just reminding me, like, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't be effective for anyone else. Like, you're just going to be like of no use. So you have to take care of yourself first. And that's, I mean, it's just, it's so in alignment with what you're saying. I, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. The, the other thing that I found too, I don't know if, if you, if you see this, but in terms of taking care of yourself, if I give myself small goals, I'm just more likely to uh, to achieve to achieve them and to like be able to focus on them. It's things like just you know drinking enough water. You know, like literally, it's like that's like something that I have to be so mindful of, just, like drink drinking enough water or just starting. Like I started taking this fish oil you know supplement every morning, and I make sure that I do it at breakfast with a big glass of water because then that also allows me to get my water in, you know? So it's like, it's just all these like small little things. If I like anything, you know, if, if you make the goal like too, too, you know, too big, um, it, it just, it feels daunting and, and overwhelming. Oh, I totally agree. So, right. So it's like when you could like break it down into like smaller things for me, it just, it's, it's, it's just more attainable. This show is actually a, big part of that. I'm working on this long list of things that I want to improve that I've been bad at. And probably one of the top things is saying no to like, we, we talked about the prioritization list and that's really how you say no to your to-do list. Like the things Mm -hmm. that you have to do. And I consult with companies on how to, you know, reduce their to-do list and prioritize their projects. But the hardest thing to do is to say no to people because Mm -hmm. I want to be nice. And I, I, don't want them to feel bad. And so oftentimes I end up spreading myself thin because I want to be polite. So can you please, mm-hmm. please help me with this? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's, um, it's, it, I was just actually talking to a founder, you know, my, my day job is I'm, I'm a startup investor and, um, I invest in, um, consumer businesses. Many of them are media businesses. Some of them are technology businesses, most of them are, are you know, female-founded businesses. And I was just talking about this with a, with a founder who um, just did a big fundraise. Um, she's gotten a lot of press attention. And she said to me, she's like, I have like over 1,500 emails in my inbox because I'm popular all of a sudden. <laughs> and, I don't know. and I literally just gave her this advice. I sent her this email last night, which is, you know, you really have to, um, you're going to have to say no probably to like 95% of these requests, right? Anything that doesn't tie into your core KPIs, like you're just, right, your core metrics that you're looking to um, to achieve, you are going to need to say no to. I love canned responses in Gmail. Um, I, I actually have like a whole variety of situations that I say no to, and I have a canned response like ready to go. And of course I personalize it, right. For, you know, for the, the individual request, but usually the format of the email is I start by saying, thank you. Um, I, I never start by saying, I'm sorry. Like it's, it's not like, so sorry, I can't, or 
It's thank you for the invitation. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for thinking of me. So step one is start, you know, start by saying thank you. Step two is where you talk about what, what your head's down working on right now. It could be like for the founder, I said, you know what, your head's down building your business. That's what you're doing. You know, for me, when I was writing the book, um, I'm heads down, you know, heads down writing my book. Um, the third step is to say no, however you want to say that. So I'll be unable to participate. I'll be what, whatever that phrase looks like for you. And then the fourth step is just to to wish them the best with whatever you know, whatever it is that they're they're asking of. If it's a project, if it's an you know a, an invite to something to an event. Um, and what I found is that when you keep it short and sweet in that way. And you don't ramble. I think as women, like, sometimes we want to, like, we feel like we have to over-explain Explain things. everything. Right? And we don't, and we, you don't need to. And actually, when you do that, you're giving them an opening to negotiate with you. So, right? Because then they're going to, like, they're going to hone in on something specific that you said, and they're going to try to convince you to do it. So, literally, just keep it really short and sweet. Um, and I have found that because there, there was a period of time where I was getting all these requests and I just like wasn't responding at all. And yeah, you don't think that's a better option because I don't. You know, I <laughs> I actually think it's kinder to respond. I think it's kinder to um, acknowledge that you know you received this request and to give you know to to give a kind no. And also, what you're doing is. Because the other thing that can happen, the other thing I found is that people just kept trying to get to me. You know, there were people that would like email me like two or three times. So I would rather just like nip it in the bud and be really clear um, that it's not the right fit for me or that I'm not interested or it might not be the right time. Um, and that's the other thing I said to this founder last night is I said, you know, you, you can always say like I'm heads down building the business. Like let's connect when I come up for air kind of thing. Like it's not... It doesn't have to be no for forever. Sometimes it's just like no for right now. You know, now is just not is not the right time. Um, the other thing that I'll say is sometimes if I feel like strategically it makes sense for me to be helpful in some way, but I don't have the time to like go all in, um, I try to think of like a low lift way to be helpful. So like as an example, when I was writing the book and I had founders reaching out who wanted to pitch me their businesses, I didn't have the two hours that it takes to like, you know, you have to read the deck, then you have to like get to the meeting, sit with them for an hour. I didn't have that time. Um, but what I could do if I felt like strategically I should be helpful, or maybe I just really like cared about this person and I wanted to do something to be helpful is I might say, um, you know, that I, I can't, I don't have the time to, to meet with you, but I would be happy to introduce you to a potential investor. You know, you know, if you write an email that I can forward along, I would be happy to do that. Or maybe it's, I'm happy to like, you know, read the deck and do a 15 minute call with you and give you some like quick feedback. So thinking about like the sweet spot, I call it the sweet spot between yes and no, where, you know, you're, you're finding a lower lift way to be helpful because you feel that you you know, you should for some reason, and that should be the minority, right? The the, the minority of, of the cases, but but yeah, I mean, I just I find that 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 typically works. Well, I I love the sweet spot between yes and no. That was a big takeaway for me. 
But it sounds like we're talking a, a lot about people that we've never met before, just people who are cold reaching out. Mm-hmm. What about people that we do know, people that we work with, people who we know socially, they reach out and they want something. What do you mm-hmm. do in that case? I, I actually, I think it's it's still very similar just in terms of, you know, if they're asking of, um, if they're asking for your time in any way, I think, you know, being grateful for the, showing that you're grateful for the ask and, but letting them know what you are working on right now, like what, you know, you're focusing on X, Y, Z, you're, you know, right now, like a, a lot of, of requests that come in, I'm, I'm saying like, I'm actually really doubling down on my, on building my thought leadership platform, you know, so that's an area where I'm spending my time, like just being honest with them about where you're spending your time um, and letting them know that, you know, and not being sorry, not being, you don't have to, you don't have to be apologetic about it. You didn't solicit the ask, right? Like it, it's an unsolicited ask and you own your time and energy. And if you go into it with that sort of, you know, confidence, um, I think it, it it's a mindset thing. It's actually like, as I'm speaking to you, it really is a mindset. It's your mindset going, going into this. It's, that you are being very strategic and, and protective of your time. You know, you're creating these boundaries. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't like the person, you know, or that you might not work with them in some way down the road. It's just that for right now, um, you've decided, you know, you've chosen to spend your time and energy doing X, Y, and Z. You know, the mindset I've been toying around with lately, and you're kind of speaking along the same lines, is to think about your time like it's a an amount of money, like it's an investment. Mm-hmm. And you do that for your to-do list. Like, where do I want to put my chips? Because I have a finite amount of chips. And where do I think I'm going to get the greatest return? Both, you know, intrinsically, extrinsically. But to do the same thing for the requests you get in your inbox. Because if you just gave chips away to every request as they came in, you would quickly run out of chips and not have any left to invest in the things that really matter to you. Right. Right. That's absolutely right. And if you think about, you know, what's the return on your time? And it may be that you want to have an outsized impact on your community or on your readers or, you know, with your clients. Um, So anything that kind of gets in the way of that is just not, it's not productive. So I think that that is a really helpful way to to think about it and to frame it. You know, it's really good for saying no, being pregnant. (laughs) Like you could just say no to anything. I would be in a meeting and not want to be there anymore and just be like, you know what? I'm, I'm really pregnant. I have to leave right now. And people be like, oh yeah, whatever you need. (laughs) It's so true. So just be pregnant all the time and you can say no. Support for Professional AF comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website. Now, as you listen to this, imagine it's 1995 and this ad comes on the radio and you're like, I've vaguely heard of websites. I don't even have a computer. You would just experience it differently. Choose a template that you love and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way that you want. Like right now, you'd be thinking, I mean, I I get charged by the minute for my internet usage. This creating a website is going to take me forever. The NyQuil's really 
really kicking in right now. I just think this is a good observation. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Yeah, nothing in that sentence makes any sense to you. Like everything you know about the internet comes from the movie Hackers or the net. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their website. So create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash professional A-F to get 10% off. All I'm saying is we're living in the future. That's kind of cool. Professional AF is brought to you by our friends at Swell Investing. Jason, you remember when we got together when we were 17 years old and we both had in common that we wanted to make the world a better place? Yeah, that's obviously over with now. I mean, <laughs> that's why we're talking about investing. Yeah, clearly. No, that is not <laughs> that is not what I mean. What I mean is you can do that in your professional life, but you can also do that in how you invest. Swell makes it easy to invest in the change that you wish to see in the world. The concept is called impact investing, and it's the best way to vote with your dollars for the future that you want. You choose the global solutions that you want to invest in, from disease eradication to clean water. I'm interested, for instance, in investing in making it so that you can save text messages as new. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got their own impact that they want to make. I'm not saying it's the highest priority. I'm just saying it's an axe I've been grinding for a while. And Swell puts your money to work, supporting innovative, high-growth potential companies so that you can reach your own goals sooner, a better future for your money and the world at large. What's more, a growing body of evidence suggests that over time, in aggregate, impact investing actually matches or outperforms the broader market. So you can align your money with your values without sacrificing your expected returns. Which is good because I was kidding earlier about that whole us being over making the world a better place thing. Visit swellinvesting.com slash Diana to start investing in the future that you want to live in. Do it today for a $50 bonus when you open an account. Swell. Invest in progress. I want to spend the last part of our conversation talking about mentorship because it's something that's really important to you. That's why you wrote your book. It's something really important to me. It's why I started this podcast. So you have really great advice, better than anybody else I've ever read about how to find a mentor. So I just love to have a quick chat about that because I think a lot of people go into looking for a mentor and understand like misunderstanding what a mentoring relationship should be. Mhm. Yeah, well I I do think it it really starts with your why. You know like what why why are you looking for a mentor? What do you see getting out of the relationship? Like I know throughout the course of my career, um, I've had different reasons for mentors. There were times where um, I was working at a company and I really saw myself, you know, excelling at that company and kind of rising within the company. And it was important that I had people who were in powerful positions there, you know, at that, at that company that could be my champions and be my allies and, and help me rise. Um, you know, in my career there. Then there were other times where I felt like, you know what, I'm kind of like over being in this industry and I'm really interested in like, you know, doing something else. So it's important to find mentors outside of the company that you that you work at and so that you can get 
exposure, you know, and access to different networks. And so I think just starting with like your why, you know, what what are you looking for from a mentor? Um, being intentional about about that, about the kind of mentor that that you want. I do think that 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 mentoring is a very um, while you're intentional about the kind of mentor you're looking for, the relationship actually grows very organically. You know, I don't think that you should go up to somebody and ask them to be your mentor. I've actually had that happen quite a bit, especially since the book has come out. Um, I just actually had it happen yesterday where, like, somebody I just (laughs) met asked me if I would be their mentor. And um, so I think it's like asking somebody to marry you. Yeah. It's like coming up to somebody and being like, I like you. Do you want to make a lifetime commitment to me? Exactly. It's like you want you want to go through the dating process first. You know, you really want to like just just ask the person if they want to grab a cup of coffee or go for a walk or, you know, and get to know each other and just see, like, do you click, you know? And and the other thing I talk about in the book is that it really should be a mutually beneficial relationship, right? It shouldn't be like a one-sided thing. I think, you know, I think about the best mentoring relationships that I've been in and it, it was always, it was a two-way street. You know, I think about a young woman that I mentored when I was at Time Inc. who, um, she was actually a, um, a founder of a, of a tech business. And she opened up her whole network to me um, of tech founders in New York City. And that's really what got me thinking about moving out of media and doing, you know, startup investing. Um, so, she came to me to mentor her, but but I ended up getting so much in return from her. Um, so thinking about that, thinking about it being a, a, a two-way street is really, really important. And the other thing, this is a very tactical thing, but it's just top of mind right now, so I'll share it, is if you do ask somebody to grab a coffee or, you know, or to go for, for a walk, um, one thing that really bothers me is if when I when I meet the person and it's clear that they haven't really taken the time to research me, to even like look at my mm-hmm. LinkedIn profile, to look at my bio, and they start like asking me these like really general questions about like tell so tell me about your career, and it's like actually you should go into the meeting knowing everything about that person's career, and you should have very specific questions that you're looking for advice on or or help with. Um, you know, like I did have a, a woman the other day who I met with and her whole thing was she was looking to transition um, into investing. And that's really what she wanted to talk about. You know, it was very specific and it was clear that she had done a ton of research on me and really understood my career. So, you know, be respectful. Like this person is giving you their time. Um, so go go in with really with really specific questions and always end the meeting by asking how you can be helpful to them. Do you have good things? that you answer that with? I, I never know what to say. Oh my gosh. It's honestly, it's whatever I'm working on. Like when I was working on the book, um, the way that I said they could be helpful to me is by, you know, helping promote the book on social media um, or just, you know, letting, letting, writing a review on Goodreads um, or Amazon. Um, right now, like there's some workshops that I've launched. So it's like, you know, do you know of anybody who might be interested in taking the workshop? So just like tying it back to projects that you're working on that, you know, you could use advice. I, th- there was one young woman who, um, she, we were, we were meeting and she's like, I'd love to be able to help, to be helpful to you, but I don't know, like, what could, what could I do for you? You know, kind of thing. And, 
Um, and I actually said to her, I said, look, you're really good at social media. You know, I, I, I'd love for you to even just like look at my Instagram and g- give me some, give me some thoughts. You know, is there anything that you would do differently? And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like there's so much that I, that I need help with. And so I love it. it. Just, and and yeah. they should follow through. They should and do they the should thing you ask, but also do something about the advice that you gave them and report back just yes. to show you that it's a good investment of your time. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And even just like right after the meeting, of course, like sending a thank you and all of that, that all, that all really matters because it's not just about that first meeting. Like then you, you really want, you want to build the relationship. You want to nurture the relationship. Um, so it's important to stay in touch. You know, even if it's like sending me an article, a link to an article that I might be interested in, or, you know, if they see that, um, if they see something like some press about me that, you know, that like just kind of like reaching out saying this, that was such an awesome article, like just keeping like the, those touch points, right, are, are, are really important. That's great advice. I always think about, you know, that saying where you are the average of the five people you interact with the most. And, you know, the way you were talking about, like, if you want a new career or you want to advance in your career, that that means you want to move up your average. And so you Mm. need to get kind of mentors or new people into that circle. And this is the process of how you change the average five people. Yes, that's right. Can you tell us, Fran, about the workshops, what you're working on now, what we can be excited about for the future? Yeah, thank you for asking. So there are um, there are a couple of workshops. So one workshop I've, I'm doing with Randy Zuckerberg, um, which is called How to Fundraise Like a Pro, and it's for founders that, you know, they have a, a, a business idea and they are um, looking to raise their first round. And we actually, we did a digital workshop a couple weeks ago. It was 90 minutes over Zoom. That was awesome and really, you know, well attended. We got great feedback. Um, and we're doing a a full day in person um, intensive that's going to be really hands on. Um, that's on May fourth. That will be our first one, and we'll do more, you know, after that. Um, but that's that's really exciting. And then the other workshop that I'm doing actually with my writing partner on the book, Jody Lipper, who's a, a ghostwriter. She's ghostwritten like over 20 books, five New York Times bestsellers. She and I um, launched a workshop on how to write a book proposal for for a nonfiction book um, that will land you a big deal, um, and that's been really fun to do because what's happened since the book came out is I have so many aspiring authors reaching out about like how do you do that? How do you write? What is the book proposal, and how do I then like get an agent and you know and go through the process of finding a publisher? So. What I've really tried to do this year is focus on, like, where am I giving advice and how can I create products um, to help people and, and, you know, to really add value. So that's the other one um, is, the, is the, the book proposal workshop. And you can find information on all these workshops on my website. It's just it's franhauser.com, um, and it's the Learn tab. Um, so everything is right there. Awesome. Fran, thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you, Diana. That was fun. Thanks for having me. I sure hope you enjoyed that episode and got a lot out of it. I know I got a lot of great ideas after talking to Fran on dealing with some of the biggest issues that I've been struggling with. And as advertised, she was so incredibly nice. Definitely lived up to all the hype. 
I would love to hear your biggest takeaways from the show um, on our professional AF podcast insiders private Facebook group. This group has been growing to an amazing community of now almost 300 people. And in the group, you can not only talk about this episode and make suggestions for additional guests, you can pose professional questions that you may want a brain trust to help you solve. And if you got any value out of this episode, please share and review the show. I know that your career is going to grow as a result of listening to this show. But please don't be selfish. Help some of your friends, the women that you work with. Help them listen to these valuable conversations. And every time you rate and review the show wherever you're listening to it, it's going to move it up in the new and noteworthy section and more and more people are going to discover it. So it would mean the world to me if you took the time to write a review for the show right now. I am Diana Kander and I am a woman on a mission to make curiosity your superpower. I'll talk to you soon.